All right, everybody, welcome to the Monday episode, and we have a crossover special for everybody. You have Kyle Sullivan and myself, Chris Maselli, of Locked On Avalanche, and we have Jack. Jack, I forgot your last name, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jack Bushman. It's, yeah. Bushman, there it is. Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks. <laughs> a lot going on for the Blackhawks in the offseason. Is it good? Is it bad? Does Jack feel like they are heading in the right direction? A lot to get to. So let's start this thing off. Your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I think more than any team in the offseason that I get personal emails and direct messages on is are the Avalanche making a deal with the Blackhawks for because just seems like the Blackhawks are willing to trade with everybody and anybody. And so many people want to know when are the Avalanche going to deal for Taves or who, you know, uh, any, anybody that's remaining on, on the uh, Blackhawks roster, uh, in, including Kane too. Like those are the two big names, obviously. Are they getting them? So there's so much to talk about with the Blackhawks, but first, uh, thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Always appreciated. You can follow our show at locked L O P N underscore avalanche on Twitter, locked on avalanche on Instagram, uh, questions, comments, opinions, concerns, locked on avalanche at gmail.com and follow our YouTube channel. Just search locked on avalanche and subscribe. Get notified when a new show goes live. Jack, why don't you throw out where people can find you on social media as well? Yeah, if you want to find uh, my personal account, you can check out Jack underscore Bushman 2 on Twitter. And if you want to check out the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can do so at capital L, capital O underscore Blackhawks on Twitter as well. All right. So let's just jump into it, man, because some, sometimes, the, you know, the teams that have the most eventful off seasons are not necessarily teams at the top of the standings and the teams that you're expecting to compete for the Stanley Cup. A lot of times it's those teams in the quote-unquote rebuild mode and that is what chicago is in full stop they are they are completely in that mode and for me i gotta ask you this because was there not a letter sent to blackhawk fans either one season ago or two seasons ago basically saying stick with us we're gonna we, we need to just you know reset this thing we acknowledge it we apologize for it but just stay the course. And then it seems like it's happened all over again. So what what's the mindset right now of Chicago Blackhawk fans and this eventful offseason that the Blackhawks have had so far? Yeah, it's kind of crazy that you bring up that letter because so many things have happened since then. The Blackhawks yeah. tried again and then they didn't try again. It's like, all right, where are we going here? Uh, but yeah, man, it's been not only just this offseason, but it seems like the last eight, 10 months have just been utter chaos for the Chicago Blackhawks. And the one thing I will say with Kyle Davidson now and as general manager, uh, it's clear that it's his tenure here in Chicago and he has a belief about how to go about this. And as you already mentioned, it is a full scorched earth rebuild. There's no other way around it based on the moves that we've seen this summer. You can't call it anything other than that. Um, but he has a plan. He has a direction. He's going to be very patient with it, which I think is kind of refreshing to hear, especially when you look at some of the Blackhawks past first round picks, Kirby Doc, who was just recently dealt to the Montreal Canadiens, someone that was rushed along the scene onto the NHL, 
didn't get any experience whatsoever in the AHL. Uh, Adam Boquist was a former first round pick who was rushed along the way as well. And it just seems like all those moves were made to keep the team enticing and not in the best interest of the future of the organization. Like that, that's the biggest, mm. thing. the Blackhawks haven't thought about the long term and seemingly over 10 years, right? It's been win now mode forever. And, you know, as great as that dynasty was from 2010 to 2015, it's going to end at some point. And it felt like the previous regime really had a hard time accepting that and had a hard time building towards better days down the road. And that's what ultimately ended up, you know, really hurting this team even more based on, you know, all the moves that they made to try to pursue the playoffs this year, trading for Seth Jones, going and getting Marc-Andre Fleury, they, they made those moves with the intent to be competitive again, even though a year before, like you said, they had just sent out that letter to the fans saying, hey, we're going to go on a rebuild here. We have this plan. It's like Stan Bowman saw an opportunity. It, it was a small one, but he put all his eggs in one basket there, and it really backfired on him. So to have a new general manager in place and to hear him say how he's going to go about this and see the moves that he's made so far in this offseason and the NHL draft that they had – they started with zero first-round picks, and they wound up with three. It was a very active first day of the NHL draft. So I think it's really nice to know at least what this team is trying to accomplish here, right? And they know they have to draft better, and they have to develop better. And the th biggest thing, too, is that it's, it's not going to be – you can't turn it around just like that. It's going to be a little bit of a process here. And Kyle Davidson and the new staff that's around him up in the front office have done a good job of explaining that to fans and – that's why, you know, even though the Alex DeBrinkett trade was hard to swallow and I still don't think they got a very good return, I don't think anyone can be truly shocked by the DeBrinkett trade in itself because of what Kyle Davidson has said. So, yeah, it's been wild, man, and people mm -hmm. have different feelings about different moves, but it, at least at the end of the day, there is some sort of direction here for the first time in quite a while. And uh, there are some young players that I'm excited to see. They're going to be a few years away. So the next couple seasons on the ice are going to be pretty ugly, but uh, there is a goal at least. And hopefully, you know, there, there's a light at the end of the tunnel here after these couple of wash years from the Blackhawks that they're sure to have going forward. And, you know, and I find it kind of interesting watching the Blackhawks, you know, kind of from the other side of the conference. Um, going into last season, there was a little bit of hype around the Blackhawks and the moves that were made with Jones and Fleury and that they could make a push. This could be the second wind for this Blackhawks team. And then with the failure of Fleury, I, I call it a failure, but it's just it did not click at all. And it was not a good time for him in Chicago. And when he was dealt for the team to have this much hype going into the season and potentially a playoff push to watch it all kind of fall apart at the trade deadline to looking at the, where the roster is right now with key names, like you mentioned, Doc and Dabrinkit not being a part of this roster. What do you anticipate going forward? How long is this going to sting? And does it have a, does it sting a little bit more from the hype to where you are now? Yeah, it definitely definitely hurts a little bit more knowing that they sold they sold some some of their future to go back and, and be competitive again and it didn't work whatsoever. Uh, and that's just kind of been a theme that they've had throughout the years, whether it's it just again risking the future to get talent now, trading away there's been so many first round picks over the years. Basically anyone that Patrick Kane has had success with, they, they've just shipped them out, whether it was Tavo Teravine in a long time ago, Nick Schmaltz, 
I mean, the list goes on and on. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is frustrating knowing that if they hadn't made, I think it's more so knowing that if they hadn't made those moves, the prospect pool and the young talent that they have, there'd at least be some more guys stepping onto the scene because right now they're all 18, 19 year olds that we're hoping are going to hit. And hopefully some of them do, but you never know with, with that type of stuff. You, you can't guarantee that anyone's going to be a stud. So yeah, it, it's really put the Blackhawks back in a corner a little bit because they're not good enough clearly to compete where they were at least last season. They've obviously made moves that's going to hurt their competitive chances this year severely um, but knowing that they don't have anything to bank on coming up in the prospect pool is really something that I think Kyle Davidson looked at and was like, wow, man, this is going to be a journey here because it's not just going to be one NHL draft or two NHL drafts. It's probably going to be multiple. And uh, that that's kind of where I think not to transition the topic a little bit, but um, we already talked, you know, at, to open the show about Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and those being the players that, you know, a lot of fans, even for the Colorado Avalanche, are hitting you guys up to see if they're going to make a move. Um, having that thin prospect pool, I think, is really going to cement that Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane's runs are going to come to an end this year. I think just it makes most sense to deal them at the deadline, kind of give them a farewell tour. And at least for Patrick Kane's sense, you're going to get a pretty good haul for Patrick Kane. And you know, restore, get more first-round picks in a very good 2023 NHL draft. That's the name of the game for the Blackhawks right now, is acquiring future assets for players that they know aren't going to be able to be part of the puzzle three, four, five years down the road. So that's really what it's going to look like for the next few years. Anyone who's, you know, they traded a 24-year-old Alex Dabrinkit, who's a two-time 40-goal scorer. So if you're 23, 24 years old, you're probably not matching up with the timeline that they're going on right now. So, you know, that that's kind of just how, why they're going to be or how they're going to be acquiring future assets. They, they just need guys to fill spots right now and hope to flip them at the deadline for something decent in return. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly surprised, but I guess happy that, you know, you're not you're okay with this. Like you, you are accepting of where they are right now. What's that? I've seen so much over the last two years. Well, you know, because we mentioned the letter and, and then I think after the letter is when they got Seth Jones. Right. And they, they got Mark Andre Fleury. So it's like, okay, like you, you sent this letter out and here's two pretty bold moves to start going in the right direction. And after, like, do you think it was a fair shot? I mean, I like how you phrased that earlier when you were describing this was that it just didn't fit. Is it fair to say it didn't fit after just one year of those guys and just have this fire sale? You, um, The only one you have kept so far is Jones. Mm -hmm. um, everybody else is gone, including guys that came before the letter that were part of uh, a somewhat rebuild. Like the, the, the Brinkett one, I think, shocked a lot of people maybe not that they traded him but what they got in return i like kirby doc i know he is young like you said they kind of rushed him through maybe a little bit too quickly um you it just from an outside not someone that follows his team day in and day out yeah you 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 sent a letter out saying like we need to we have to kind of rebuild this thing but from my vantage point it was like you have strong pieces here and the majority of those pieces are now gone with the exception of Taves and Kane and Jones. And some people are on the fence on him. But like I, that's why I kind of wanted to have you on today and do a crossover with you is to get to kind of pick your brain on how you feel after, you know, we were told there's one reset and then so quickly there's another one, which is 
you know this is a reset now. <laughs> the moves they were making before were like, okay, yeah, this is a reset, but we we can play. We we got some good pieces here. But what I'm hearing from you is they just didn't mesh well. It didn't gel well. I think a, a big part about it too um, was how they were losing, which is a discouraging way, especially defensively. And the weird thing about the Blackhawks is going into this year, like looking at their defense on paper – Seth Jones, big acquisition. Now, you know, there's that great debate over whether he's a number one defenseman, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, regardless of what you, where you want to put Seth Jones in the lineup, he's a good defenseman. Yeah. Really good defenseman. You get Jake McCabe next to him, someone who on a really bad Buffalo Sabres team over the past few years was one of the few bright spots to bring him in. Connor Murphy, I thought even in Duncan Keith's final few years, when Connor Murphy was healthy, he had been the best defenseman for the Blackhawks for quite a while. And then Kelvin DeHaan was a veteran defenseman who had plenty of experience as well on paper. You would think that would be a, a good defense for the Blackhawks and have Mark Andre Fleury in net. Like, I think it was, you know, a, a big reason why people were buying into the Blackhawks heading into mm -hmm. this. It looked like they had a legitimate thing going on, but I, I think one thing that really hindered them was under Jeremy Colleton's lead. They just didn't play the right style of defense. There were so many miscommunications. They weren't playing man-to-man. -man. They were playing uh, – or they weren't playing zone. They were playing man-to-man. -man. There were lots of confusions, and it really just made life difficult on the defense and the goaltender. And when that was going south, I think it was kind of clear that this needs a full blow-up. Like, mm -hmm. we need to change the structure of this team. We need to change what we're doing. And for Marc-Andre Fleury, it was just more so that he was on, you know, the last year of his deal and – Things weren't clearly going well. You might as well move him for assets, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the thing about that. But it is weird because I always had this feeling throughout the year. It's weird that you bring this up, like that it's only one year and maybe things could have gone differently with the same roster next year. I, I don't know how it would have gone, but I always felt like on paper, the Blackhawks were better than bottom five team in the league. And sure. It just never seemed to work well. This group just didn't fit, whether it was the defensive issues or I, I think a big lack of speed in the forward group was something that hindered them. It was really a top-line-only offense with Alex DeBrinken and Patrick Kane. It was just weird, but whatever it was, it clearly wasn't working. And, again, there were so few little pieces coming up in the organization to help change this that were actually already part of the Chicago Blackhawks that – Kyle Davidson felt like there was really no choice but to just start piling on the assets that we can get in the future, build back better through draft classes, and developing better is something that he's really honed in on as well because the Blackhawks have done, a, a frankly, a piss-poor job of developing talent from their minor league affiliate, really, ever since they won the Stanley Cup last in 2015. So, hmm. yeah, it's just been a lot of things that have led to this decision by Kyle Davidson. But at the end of the day, I, I can't really fault him because the product on the ice last year clearly wasn't good enough. And the Blackhawks before this year's NHL drafted one of the thinnest pools in the entire league as well. So his hands were kind of tied at the end of the day, I think. Yeah. Well, um, let's hear from Bill Barr. And then you, you know, you mentioned the, the two big guys in Kane and Taves. Uh, let's focus in on them a little bit more because that that that's like I said, yeah, it's it's the focus of what a lot of people are asking me, um, and I want to get your take on that. And I agree with you. I think this is a trade deadline thing. But where could they go? What could they get in return? Are Taves and Kane are okay with this? We'll, we'll discuss a lot of that. But first, Built Bar and BuiltBar.com and the Built Bar Puffs. 
our good friend right here, sitting right here, Mr. Kyle Sullivan, pointed something out to me. He, this is how much of a built bar fanatic he is. He, you know how you check like your social media like every single day? Kyle checks builtbar.com. He must every single day because I didn't even know there is a brand new flavor that they haven't even told us about yet. I, when did you check this? Was this today? Was it yesterday? It's, it's how I start my day every day. <laughs> you what check you your emails about? and then built.com basically. Yeah. Is what you do. Like, uh, are they thinking about me right now? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but they have a brand new flavor. And I mean, this is perfect for the summertime. This is a pina colada flavor that they have. And that's a puff, right? It is. is. It is a built puff pina colada flavor. Uh, I have to assume that is a limited time flavor. So you better get on over to built.com and take advantage of that bad boy. Of course, you have all the other built flavors, including there's another one, which is the uh, chocolate chip cookie dough, which mm. is another one that is there, which is another one of Kyle's favorites. They're only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them as well. Run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect summertime treat, including that pina colada one. So go to built.com, use the promo code locked on 15 to get 15% off of your order once again that promo code is locked on 15 at built.com all right uh the big guns when you think blackhawks you think k kane and taves uh although i think our taves has taken the limelight away from your taves but yeah. <laughs> by a smidge by a smidge um, yeah, man, like the, the thing that I tell the people who are, are asking me, like, would the avalanche go after either one of these two? Um, you know, I'll, I'll, who knows? I'll never say no to nothing. And I'm sure the avalanche are doing their due diligence on, on if they want to acquire them, when they would want to acquire them and for what the sticking point for the avalanche. I think any team that wants to acquire them right now is their cap number. They're, they're both at 10 and a half, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's not going to happen right now. It's just it's just not like there, there's very few teams that can afford that to start a season. So I think you're looking at a trade deadline acquisition. Um, do what? What is what is the trade situation like for them? Do they have you no know, trade movement in, in both of them? Or are they full? Are they specific teams? What is the rundown for these two guys specifically? Are they on board for it? What are you hearing from them as if to say, like, yeah, we, it's time for us to move on as well? And just where do you think they would go? And what are the Blackhawks looking for in return? Yeah, so both of them have full no movement clauses right now. Uh, so they're in full control over their destiny okay. until their contracts expire at the end of this year. But uh, as far as where their minds are at or what they're wanting to do, Patrick Kane, I think, is a, a little more up in the air than Jonathan Taze is at this point. Um, we've heard a couple of reports recently that Patrick Kane wasn't exactly thrilled with some of the moves that they made this year. I think particularly trading Alex DeBrinkett was a huge gut punch for him. And something I've referenced a lot when doing these crossovers is the end of the year pressers that Patrick Kane Patrick Kane had in particular where he was asked about his future. And one of the things he said was, you know, if Alex DeBrinkett is here to stay, it makes things easier for me to be part of this too, because DeBrinkett was someone he had clear chemistry with. They had worked so well together over the last few years. And even though the Blackhawks were, you know, a, a nightmare for 99.9% .9 of this past season, 
when you go to practice, you could tell that Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane, you know, enjoyed being in each other's presence. They'd mess around at the end of drills, always, you know, even though the team's 30, you know, 30 points out of a playoff spot, they're still smiling, having a good time. And they just had that, they, they just clicked together. It just worked for them. And now that Alex Dabrinkit's gone, it's just hard to say what Patrick Kane is what, what does he have to stay for at this point? Like, what, what's enticing him to stay? There are people out there saying, you know, franchise records and playing for Chicago his entire career. And, yeah, that could be true. You know, he's really only known Chicago since he's been an adult. He's played for the same team his entire career. But at the end of the day, he's a competitor. He wants to win. And I'm sure uh, a five-year rebuild isn't the most enticing thing to him. So, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to see him wave his no movement clause. I, I know the Blackhawks are in communication with those two to see what they want to do as they should be, because that's what they deserve after being icons of this franchise for so long and doing so much for the city and this team and really saving the Blackhawks franchise. I mean, you go back to 2002 to 2006, it was an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, they were considered the worst organization in all of professional sports. So it's nice to hear they have that relationship, at least even in these difficult times where they're being very open about this process. And the, uh, I've heard also that the Blackhawks aren't ever going to ask them personally to waive their no movement clauses. But I think, you know, based on the moves that they've made, I, I don't think um, it's, it's crazy to suggest that they, they request that to be waived. But for Jonathan Taves, he's the interesting one because – as the longtime captain of this franchise, he's had a lot of interviews over the past several months where he just, I don't want to say he said the wrong things because that would be poor of me and he's entitled to his own opinion and honestly to do what he wants after he's what he's done for this team in the city. But he just hasn't said anything to commit to this team for the future. And it's just weird when your captain doesn't do that, right? It just gives you a little weird feeling and, yeah, he said a couple of things. The Debrinka trade was something that really didn't sit well. The, the Brandon Hagel trade at the deadline, too, was something that absolutely stunned him. So, yeah, I think Taves is probably a little bit more surefire to wave his no-movement clause than Patrick Kane is. But um, I, I do think ultimately that both of them are gone when the trade deadline rolls around in 2023. But as for what, what they're trying to get for those two, I think Patrick Kane, you know, is trying to get an absolute haul, obviously, because this guy has shown no signs of slowing down. He just recorded the third most points that he's ever had in a season, and he's well over 30. And like I said, he's shown no reasons why that he can't keep doing this as he gets older and older and older. Um, so I think that the Blackhawks are really going to try to maximize that. And also they can re retain salary on both of these two in order to kind of capitalize on this opportunity and get the most from another club. So I think Patrick Kane is surefire to get a, a much bigger return than Jonathan Taves is. I, I think the Blackhawks would ideally like to get as many picks as they can in this 2023 first round, a round that's you know been compared to some of the deepest first rounds that we've seen in the past decade or two. I, I think that's where it will start for Patrick Kane. As for Jonathan Taves, though, it, it's really hard to say what they're going to get for him right now because this is, I think, a really key first half for him to show – just what he is at this point, because last year he didn't score a goal the first 25 or 26 games after returning from that illness. It was a really slow start for him. And you can tell he was just having a hard time keeping up. But once the second half rolled around, he was darn near a point per game guy down the stretch and really looked like he found that groove once again. So I think this first half is going to be really telling as to what the Blackhawks can get for Jonathan Taves. 
But I think for both of those players, the Blackhawks are going to want to retain some salary in order to move them because, like like you said, there's just not a whole lot of teams that can take on $10.5 million, even if it is for just this year. Um, so the ability to retain salary, I think, should also help the Blackhawks in order to get as much as possible for those two when the time comes. Yeah, out of the every time I hear the Kane or Taze to Colorado rumors, out of the two, Taze feels like the one that will move. Um, especially when you talk about what the Blackhawks are hoping to get in return, it just makes sense for like Kane to go to the Sabres, go home, finish the last years of his career home in Buffalo, and then you you get your future from Buffalo because they have picks, they have they have prospects, they have talent. So that's where you would get it there. And the Taze moves always feels like one of those trade deadline pickups for like a Minnesota, a St. Louis, that one missing piece to push you to the cup or a, through one more round of the playoffs. So it always has felt like Taze is going to be the piece that moves. Kane might be a little bit more loyal to the Blackhawks. Yeah, I would agree with that. The one thing I will say about Buffalo, though, is he has the full no-movement clause. And, yeah, that's his hometown, but is is he going to leave the Blackhawks to go to the Buffalo Sabres? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's one of those, if you want to sit and go through that rebuild and the motions, like you mentioned, he's they're trading away his friends and his line mates. Like, if you watch Patrick Kane and how he worked last year on that top line, like, you're, you're cutting – his success away and you're telling him go back out there have one more year and figure it out with this roster um it's it's a big ask and it's going to and you see the agitation towards the end of the year it's going to be tough for him to go through one more year so it's one of those anywhere just send me anywhere like go back home it's it's one of those yeah, you mean, see that with like players like Nas, like uh what colorado's deal with right now like you don't know where he's going. You thought it would be a surefire thing for him to go here or here or here, but you never know. That is fair. And I think a lot of it too is going to come down to the money and who actually can realistically make a financial charge to him too. Well, while giving away multiple draft picks and, or I don't know, multiple draft picks, but it would take multiple pieces to move Patrick Kane. I'll tell you that. And a lot of things are going to have to work. So I do agree that there's not going to be as many landing spots as, you know, all the fan bases want to say, oh, let's go get Patrick Kane this offseason. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. And I don't mean to, like, beat you while the Blackhawks are down or anything like that, but but in, in – It's already been done. <laughs> uh, in our division is, you know, one of the bottom-feeding teams over the last handful of years in the Arizona Coyotes – could the Blackhawks finish lower than them? I hope so. I mean, and, and that was the follow up I was going to ask you. Like, because going into this draft, like this next draft, people were positioning themselves for the 2023 draft, not for the 2022 draft. There were some decent players in this draft, and you got a really good one, I think. And, and Frank, is it Nazer or Nazar? Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, he, thanks to the Avalanche just giving away all of their draft picks, which worked out for them. Um, I didn't have a lot of uh, uh, draft like uh, research to do, but the one, the little bit that I did do, he stuck out to me a lot. So I really, really like him. Um, but it, it's funny how you answered that question. Is like you say, say, like you hope they do because a lot of teams were positioning for them, themselves for the twenty twenty three drafts, which is a lot deeper than the twenty twenty two draft. So are you hoping that they do and 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 they potentially could? 
See, the weird thing is I don't love the tank idea because you never know what's going to happen. It's all a lottery at the end of the day. But uh, I think the moves that the Blackhawks have made have shown that that's the direction they're heading in there. They're trying to get a pick that can help change the direction of this franchise. And you can go about uh, acquiring first round picks all you want, but the surefire top of the guys at the top of the board are usually the ones who prove to be the biggest game changers, you know? So um, I I do think that's their goal and that's what they want to do. And I think that's a a big part of Kyle Davidson's plan is whether it's in 2023 or 2024, the Blackhawks would love for it to be 2023. Don't get me wrong, but they know they got to get a game changer. Like, Right. I love Frank Nazar. I think he's a very high-end ceiling guy, and I watched him at development camp a few weeks ago, and his game is awesome, a really huge competitor, can play at a high pace, great offensive IQ. I love it, but I don't know if he's going to be a game-breaker. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell at this age, but I, I think the Blackhawks know they need that cornerstone piece. And, yeah, I mean, you trade Alex DeBrinkett, you let go of Dylan Strom, let go of Dominic Kubelik, you make the moves that they do, and – it's clear what their goal is at the end of the day. Now, like I said, though, it's all going to come down to the lottery, but I think the Blackhawks would like knowing that they have at least a, a top three pick going into the 23 right. NHL draft. And that means coming in, you know, dead freaking last this year, but it's going to be painful. I'll admit that, you know, I, I say, I hope so, but I'm going to have to sit there and watch 82 games of absolute horrendous hockey, if that's right. the case. So I'm torn in between, man. It, it's tough, but, uh, at the end of the day, trading away Alex Dabrinkit and, like I said, letting go Dylan Strom and all the moves they've made over the last few years, it would be a lot easier to swallow if Connor Bedard was drafted number one overall last yeah. year. I'll tell you, or next year, I'll tell you that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and I, for me, I think like the one thing that the Blackhawks cannot do during any of this is get rid of Kyle Davidson. If you if you fire him at any point in the next what five years, uh, you you're gonna have a, a, a mini riot on your hands from because I think a lot of people who look at it objectively like you are saying like okay like I am going to buy into this like if you you laid out your plan and I'm expecting you to stick to the plan. The people above Kyle Davidson need to stick to that plan too. And if they they they're not ha- like you're you're gonna have to suffer for a year or two, maybe maybe even three. And if they get impatient and they let him go, that's just the 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 you, you just sent the worst possible signal to your fan base. So I'll be watching that. I'll be yeah. watching like how they're rebuilding this because I like I like a good rebuild. That's always a good story in the end if they can you know get to the top of the mountain and you can always look back and say like, this is how we did it. And if you give up on him, when you said like, we're backing him worst message you can possibly send. I a thousand percent agree with that. And it would just be an utter mistake to not know what would happen in the long run. If his plan did work out, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they have to be patient with this and Kyle Davidson's being patient with it too. He has to have that trust from everyone who's above him and, they, they, whether it's goes good or bad, that's to be determined, obviously, but you have to let it play out. You have to let th- this type of rebuild with the way the Blackhawks were going was inevitable. It was, we were stuck in limbo for way too long where we had no identity. We didn't know what to expect. 
no future, no aspirations. We didn't know. We're just trying to hang on for dear life and, you know, not waste any more years of Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. That really bit them in the butt. So regardless of how this goes and we're, we're going to see, I mean, the Alex DeBrinca trade is going to have huge ramifications. Kevin Korchinski, who the Blackhawks took with that pick that they got back from Ottawa, he's always going to be tied to the Alex DeBrinca trade and all that stuff. You got to let it play out and see how it's going to go. And I, I would agree. You got to give him three to four years. And if the prospect pool or the young talent that's coming up to the NHL, yeah, in four or five years, if they're not making an impact, then that's the time to have that conversation. But the team is going to be so bad on the ice for the next couple of years that you can't let that hinder what the future goal is. And that's why – it just, it has to be a patient approach from everyone. It can't just be Kyle Davidson. It has to be everyone because he believes in what he's doing. He really does. We've heard him talk confidently about knowing what this team needs to fix. And he's gone about it so far and he's stuck true to his word. And I just hope, you know, that the ownership group does the same because at the end of the day, if it does work, it's going to be worth the patient approach. I'll tell you that because you can't, you know, you you want to have these Pittsburgh Penguins like runs where you're just competitive for 20 years, but that doesn't happen mm-hmm. very often. You have to go through these transitional changes. And now that the Blackhawks have finally started that, you got to let it go full circle. So, yeah, I'm in complete 100 percent agreement there that it's got to be at least three to four years before you even consider heading yeah. In direction. Yeah. Got anything uh, for the, for this season? What like what are we? what what are you going to be like you just said like you know it's it's going to be tough 82 game season for you but you know in those like moments of of despair in those seasons of despair there's always some good that comes out of it maybe individual players individual moments so what like looking ahead to a season that you know is going to be a long one uh what are the things that you're kind of maybe looking forward to actually yeah, there are, there are a couple different things. I'm excited to see some of the young faces really trying to cement themselves as full-time NHLers. We saw a lot of young guys step onto the scene for the first time towards the end of last season where the year was all but over. You might as well let these kids you know, get some experience under their belt. But Lucas Reichel, a first-round pick back in 2020, is someone who you know got his feet wet a little bit in the end of last year and tore it up at the AHL level with the Ice Hogs. So I'm excited to see how the Blackhawks are, are going to utilize him and what kind of role he's going to have. I expect them to be very patient with these guys, but uh, there is going to come a time where, especially in the second half of the season, you're going to let these guys loose a little bit. So Lucas Reichel is one in particular. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see Alex Vlasic is a, a big young defenseman, second round pick from 2019 out of Boston university. You may know his uh, uncle, Mark Edward Vlasic, longtime San Jose yeah. defenseman, of course. Yeah. He, he's really just getting on, uh, getting into the NHL and a big kid who I think has a lot of promise. So there's some of those young pieces that I'm excited to see. Uh, another thing though, is I referenced this earlier in the episode. One thing that cost the Blackhawks so much for a handful of years under Jeremy Colleton was their wonky man to man, man, man and a half zone coverage, whatever. <laughs> dude. So they hire Luke Richardson in the off season to be their new head coach. Someone who has defensive pedigree of, thousand game NHLer uh, in his playing days. And he's announced that they are going back to zone defense. So I think a lot of Blackhawks fans were excited to hear that because Jeremy Colleton's system never worked whatsoever. And the Blackhawks were always on the wrong side of 
analytics or goal differentials or shots on goal. It was like, it felt like five games a year where the Blackhawks outshot somebody. I mean, it was (laughs) was brutal. So I'm excited to see the young pieces. And I'm also excited to see how Luke Richardson's system is going to affect the defense. Because even with Marc-Andre Fleury and that one of the best of all time last year, he was just getting peppered and the Blackhawks defense didn't stand a chance. So those are some of the changes that, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see as we embark upon this year. That's likely going to be a tough one. One other thing I am excited about too, I don't want to mm-hmm. forget this is Andreas Athanasiu, probably going to be a deadline, deadline move, but okay. someone who's flashed potential over the past, he was a former 30 goal scorer with the Red Wings. Yeah. One, of, one of the fastest players in the oh league. Oh my God. Speed he demon. Did, yeah. He's got a legitimate top six opportunity with Patrick Kane. Like this roster is thin and he's going to, in the first half, he's going to get all the chances in the world to give the Blackhawks, you know, an enticing return at the deadline. So I know it's probably going to be short lived, but I am excited to see Andreas Athanasio in a Blackhawks sweater and see him uh, speed his way to a couple breakaways along the way. Nice. Well, at least a little bit more enticing next year, right? Nice. So, I mean, I'll say this, man. Embrace the suck because it, it honestly just makes when you when you do turn it around and 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 you know get or start climbing the mountain and when you get to the top of the mountain again, uh, like I said, you can just look back and and just appreciate everything that you had to go through and just just looking at everything that we've been talking about today, everything you're hearing about what the Blackhawks are saying that they're going to do, you know it's going to be a haul and I think it's it's kind of like where you know you just mentioned the red wings um they're they're on their way up you know what i mean and and when they eventually get there people are going to look back and be like man that was that was an event that was an adventure yeah Yeah. that that was a lord of the rings trilogy and 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 it just feels so good so yeah like it's not where you want to be but uh you know the job that you do covering that that team um however many years it takes you to get there it's it's just going to make it all the more sweeter just you know being there all along the way it really really is and what what better way to bring back a fan base that's gone through so much with everything in the front office and on yeah. the ice than that good old ten dollar ticket on a march game like that's <laughs> usually when a lot of fans say well i fell in love with the game because tickets were just five ten bucks and i got to go into a game what better way to bring them back in after all of this than to everybody get ground level and we start this full reset front office on the ice together push everything behind us and build and fall in love with this brand new chicago blackhawks team yeah, yeah it's actually funny you say that they cut season ticket prices by a ton okay. for me. my buddies has season tickets and i go with him to some games he's literally like six rows right off the glass behind the net it's crazy but he said they basically got cut in half for next season so oh, wow. I know they're trying to give an incentive to fans to still come to the United Center, even though they know what they're likely going to be watching on the ice. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I've just kind of accepted that this is mm-hmm. where the Hawks are at at this point and that it's going to be a journey. But I'll say this, you know, in four or five years, if the Blackhawks are ready to go for – are ready to have a competitive window open up where they'll have an opportunity to win for – five to 10 years or something like that at the end of the day, it'll be worth it. And like I said, it's, it's not easy to remain that competitive for so long. Not every team can do that. So it's not going to be fun along the way, but if 
the end goal is achieved, then it would be well worth it when that time does come. So that's what I'm looking forward to throughout the next. Yeah, man. And and even you know I always say it even if there's some some of the teams that I that I uh, not a fan of it's not the Blackhawks there's other teams throughout the leagues that I, that I you know can't stand uh, the league is always better when an original six team is involved mm-hmm. it just is and there's some original six teams that I, I don't particularly like uh, and again not the Blackhawks it's another team that starts with a B we'll, we'll oh. leave it at that <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, Canadians. <laughs> uh oh, what's he doing? Uh, there you go. Is that the? Is that a B? I think that's a B. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't see any other Bs on there. Um, but yeah, man. So I mean, it, it's it's going to be a, a haul of a season. But uh, maybe we'll, we'll check in at different points during the season and do do some other crossovers and. And see how you and the Blackhawk fans are doing. So yes, please help me along. Uh, <laughs> I can't talk about losing for seven months. So feel free, feel free to help me out along the way, guys. All right, and uh, definitely follow Jack and the Blackhawks. And the way he covered the Kyle Beach uh, issue was yep. uh, professional and honest, and and uh, great job covering that, man. It's difficult to do, but um, I think you did it exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and, again, making this your first listen of the day. I know this was a crossover that a lot of people on our end wanted to hear. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. Like I said, thank you, for making, thank you for making your first listen of the day. And once again, you can follow us over on our social media platforms, LOPN underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Locked on Avalanche Instagram, and our YouTube channel. And, Jack, why don't you throw yours out one more time as well? Yeah, check out my personal account on Twitter at Jack underscore Bushman too. You can find a lot of tweets about golf today. I don't know if you two are golf fans, but I, I well, I, I kind of yeah. For us this weekend, and nice. boy, feel good. It was a scary ride along the way, but yeah, it was good. Then I got the Will Z dub. So if you want some Blackhawks coverage or golf stuff, you can check it out there at Jack underscore Bushman too. As for the Lockdown Blackhawks account, you can also find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or you can check it out on Twitter at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. Any career uh, hole-in-ones? I'm working on it. No? Not not yet, but it's coming soon. Just wait on it. So you have as many hole-in-ones as Kyle has been pulled over. Oh, yeah. That's right. (laughs) The conversation in itself right there. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Always a pleasure, and we will be back on Wednesday. Maybe we'll have Nazem Kadri news, but who in the world? Maybe he's going to sign with the Blackhawks. I, I, <laughs> at this point, I have no idea. Anything's up in the air. And Bowman was still in charge, maybe. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Go, Abs, go. Go, Abs, go.